Last time I did this was one of the worst days of my life. So, hoping this goes better. What? <laughs> Where the hell are we supposed to take it from there? So I guess we just let that land. <laughs> or I ran over a cat on the way home last time we recorded this. It was my cat. It was my kid's cat. <laughs> Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those amazing discoveries and innovations that we often hear about in academia, but never seem to touch our lives in any real meaningful way. We want to look at some of those technologies and maybe figure out a way to get those to a store shelf where they can become an actual thing. Thank you for joining us. We are sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer and Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska at Omaha, University of Nebraska Medical Center, and Nebraska Medicine. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Tyler Scher and Joe Runge. Joe is a Intellectual property lawyer, entrepreneurial werewolf. Anything else? Does that cover it? Yeah. Magnum JD. Magnum JD. <laughs> JD Magnum. Okay. Um, Hi, Charlie. I'm going to just move past my discomfort there. Tyler is a PhD licensing associate. How's, Hi, Charlie. How's it going? Yeah. Good. How you doing, man? Man, um, that was way more comfortable. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel so itchy on that one. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's about time. Well, actually, Joe, you usually have a special message at this point. Oh, man, I've been set up in a long time. Thank you. You're welcome. Old times. Yes. Please take a moment to leave a rating for the podcast and review it. Please tell your friends. Please also subscribe uh, by whatever podcast delivery service you wish to use. Innovation Overground is seeking to become the front porch for all university innovation, the stories of how research becomes things on shelves, and we need your help to do that. Yes, indeed. We don't want to tell all the stories about academic innovation, not just at Nebraska, but at universities everywhere. So helping us spread the word helps us do that. So please do uh, check in with us. Um, okay. All that said, I think it's about time we went over something that is near and dear to Tyler's uh. heart. Wow. That was, I don't know what that was. And but now it's it, uncomfortable. But again. it makes me want to leave. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I, I am going to apologize to all of our listeners right now. I'm sorry. I'm Listen. Gonna, I just can't wait to talk about 3D printing. In, in order to get Tyler to do this, we spoiler have to let alert. him do this periodically. That's true. So. All right. So spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about 3D printing, Tyler. Yay. Hey, Tyler, what are we talking about this week? So Tyler, 3D printing. I'm curious, how do you feel about 3D printing and can you tell me about it? I would love to. Okay. I 3D hope. printing is awesome. <laughs> and I would love to tell you about it. So 3D printing, if you haven't heard, is a type of additive manufacturing. So that is where you uh, you start with building blocks and you make awesome things out of the building blocks, like Legos. <clears throat> I was thinking it's more like the uh, Play-Doh Play Factory where you uh, – where you just squirt out a bunch of goopy stuff and it kind of stack it on top of each other in a way and then it dries and then you've got a thing. So in the it, show it, it notes, I'm like supposed to have a shout out, but I think it's more going to be an apology. <laughs> so I'm very sorry to Dr. Chris Wright, uh, who's in tech transfer at Princeton University. We're doing our best here and it will get better. <laughs> it will get better. <laughs> All right, Tyler. So I'll joke you aside. I guess we've just been scolded. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take that as a scolding. <laughs> so what else do you want like me to I'm say grounded. about 3D printing? Before we get into these awesome Princeton technologies. Well, let's just get into the, maybe we'll just get into the Princeton technologies. What do you got there? Okay. I see, I see you got yeah. some papers. Is that? Uh, yeah. Is that, is that? 
<laughs> I do that? have what some do we papers. Got? You know what? We should prepare for some of this stuff before we start talking. Yeah. So, so 3D printing can be used for a number of different applications. It, uh, it's basically prepare. invaded all, all, all fields at this point. So we're talking um, medical applications, uh, prosthetics, implants, um, personalized medicine. Um, it's in... Uh, Traditional manufacturing settings, aeronautics, automobile manufacturing, um, even even the uh, entertainment industry. So, three D printing has been used in in designs for sets, uh, for in, in movie production. Um, yeah, so that makes a lot more sense than what I was thinking. <laughs> so, three D printing, uh, ubiquitous technology everywhere. Um, a few of these technologies out of Princeton. So, I guess I have to start um, by giving a little bit of history here. So, Princeton not only has been involved in using and kind of moving the field forward with, with commercially available printing, but they've actually created their own unique types of printing. Um, and one of the researchers we're going to be talking about what today. Unique types, what does that mean? Yeah, they, so they literally built their own printer to, to 3D print um, entirely uh, semiconductive uh, pieces or equipment or materials. So they have, they have a printer that's basically printing um, semiconductive chips uh, that you can make into different arrangements. Um, so I can give some examples of this, and a few of these technologies that we're going to talk about today actually use this underlying printing technology. So I, I think Tyler had a really good start, actually, and I'm sorry for scolding everyone. Um, but the, the, <laughs> the whole notion of additive manufacturing is really what people talk about when they talk about 3D printing. And kind of the most conventional way that that's done is you get melty plastic, and mm, it's yeah. on like a little robot boom, and then the robot can read a three-dimensional file. And so it just keeps depositing plastic in layers until it sort of creates that particular model, yeah. right? That, that's yeah. kind of conventional 3D printing. Yeah. But you can make th you can 3D print in really some unconventional ways. So before we do our deep dive into Princeton, can you talk about maybe a form of 3D printing that is very dissimilar to that? Yeah. Like so, thinking, what, go ahead. so what you described was FDM printing, yeah, where you take – where you, you, you melt down a, a, some plastic and then just uh, deposit it layer by layer um, onto a bed to build something up in three dimensions. Um, you, you can actually use that to create basically your own Lego action figures or things like that. Uh, there's also SLA printing um, and other types of, of printing um, that use either UV light or, or some other um, light uh, wavelength in order to actually um, cure or solidify an object that's being pulled out of like a pool of liquid resins. So instead of starting with a solid and melting it into a liquid and then resulting in a, a solid object, you start with a, a liquid pool of resin and your solid object emerges uh, as you have this, this cool. light curing happening yeah, all, right. all around it. So actually the first type of printing that was patented uh, was an engineer in the U.S., Chuck Hall, and um, is SLA. So it was that, wow, it was really? that object that. being emerged out of out of a pool of resin, yeah. You know what I always think about with that? Um, when Michelangelo was carving David, um, mm. one of the ways in which he would model it, he's, he made a mini David. Okay. And then he submerged it in a pool of dirty water. And then he would gradually lower it so he would know what David looked like as he was sculpting him out of the block. Does that make sense? Oh, that's interesting. Which wow. kind of reminded me of an SLA print, just yeah. kind of done a different way. Okay. Ah, interesting. So I'm oh, trying to class it cool. up here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go. On. That's why I'm not talking anymore. If you're trying to class it up, no, I, no, we cut your mic. <laughs> that, that would be why you're not talking. <laughs> your mic's attached to it. So what else is there? I mean, there's there aren't there ways to have like like several of these. I don't know what you call the the printer nozzle, for lack of a better term, 
but where you can print extruder in, extruders. Or, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, where they can print like on a on more than just one plane. Yeah, you can do multi-axis prints. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's still a lot of that technology is still in development. Okay. I mean, that's more so the multi-axis is more with uh, a CNC or sub- subtractive manufacturing, where you're starting from a solid uh, block of either metal or some, or plastic material, and okay. then you're 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 chipping or cutting away at it to result in it's basically high-tech whittling. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, how has Princeton been leading the charge in new three D printing technologies? Yes. Yeah, so, so back uh, 2013, 2014, um, a few researchers over at uh, at Princeton um, in their mechanical engineering department um, were working on creating this new type of printer that could print in conductive materials, and it could do all the all the layers and all the different materials required to get you something uh, a finished product that's conductive so you're talking about like a microchip yes so why is that such a challenge help me understand what's so complicated about printing a microchip in this way well this printing in multiple in multiple materials is a, is a challenge that had to be overcome um, uh, so, so so just being able to print in different colors of plastic requires multiple extruders um, but when you when you I'm add sorry, you in, said different colors yeah just having different colors okay, of gotcha. plastic just uh, multiple colors right. at once when you add in multiple materials. Now you need those extruders to be um, at different temperatures to, in order to actually melt um, and control uh, the, 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 uh, all the different materials. So, okay. yep. Uh, so that adds a whole other layer of complexity. Um, and I'm sure it's even, so, even more so complex than that. So they invented the process and the printer? or the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so in 2014, uh, they invented at Princeton a quantum dot um, light emitting diode or LED 3D printer. It was the first fully 3D printed um, LEDs, so this was this was huge, um, and a lot of different proof of concepts wow. from this uh, had to do with um, uh, everything from from medical sensing technology. So they're able to so when you when when you're able to print LEDs um, now, or you're able to print um, semiconductive materials, you can now you can now think of complex geometries. Um, of, of uh, or even flexible materials now that, that have these properties. So, for example, um, they they did a proof of concept where they printed inside of a, a contact lens. So now you could have a, a biosensing contact lens that could be be reading something in, uh, in in your bloodstream. So maybe glucose level monitoring in a contact in a contact lens. Uh, one of the other proof of concepts they had that really grabbed attention in 2013 was a, a, a bionic ear. So this combined um, actual bovine cells or cells from a cow so bioprinting along with uh, along with your your uh conductive or uh metallic materials here so they had them they had them together um and they were able to show that that this silver um uh inside the inside the ear <laughs> was able to receive and transmit signals um so they had they had a transmitter um so that that was just a proof of concept wow but, that's wild yeah this is all the way back in 2013 so now so they've taken this technology foundational technology and now they've built on it um so, so the, the 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 contact lens that's just a sensor you couldn't have it do anything else oh no i'm you could have you could do all, all sorts of things so you could have sensing you could also so if you're scared of things if you're scared of not being able to see behind you you could have a, a, a camera 
behind you somewhere and a contact lens <laughs> okay. with, with a little video feed, a yeah. live feed. So you can see behind your back at all times. Uh, you get, you know, that's just one, one crazy application. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cool though. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You have like your own heads up display on your contact lenses. Yeah. You could have a 360 panorama of Large everything around you. And all that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or you could just stream YouTube on your, you know, that's what I'd whatever do. you like. <laughs> yeah. I would just know. Um, Okay. Yeah, so, 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 one cool. of, so one of the first technologies I want to shout out is uh, 3D-printed active electronic materials and devices. And this is from Drs. McAlpine um, and Kong, um, formerly at Princeton. They invented this at Princeton. Um, so is, is this, you know, when you talk about, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the ear. So oh, yeah, yeah. Would, would this be like a replacement for like a cochlear ear implant uh, potentially? Or? Yeah, possibly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so basically it would, it would, so you would have the, the functioning implant. Um, in, in basically an actual, uh, tissue. So it would you could, actually be an ear. Yes. Now it probably wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't necessarily, I, I guess, yeah, you'd have to go steps further to get the vasculature and everything right. in there. So it would stay alive, but yeah, you could possibly get there. Aren't they printing? Um, I guess we're going a little off topic, but aren't they, was it Bowling Green where they're printing like tissue? Like, I think they printed a bladder. A bowling, was maybe. A bowling green? So I, I know, uh, Wake Forest is kind of Maybe spe- Wake spearheading Wake a lot Forest. of this sorry. Yeah, bio printing of Wake organs. Forest, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're getting closer with uh, liver, um, mm. kidneys, wow. bladder. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but yeah. they, I think they did a bladder that was actually implanted into a human, right? I, you know, they might have. Okay. I'm, I'm not aware. Yeah, yeah. I haven't kept up with what they're doing. I know they're doing incredible work in bioprinting at yeah. Wake Forest. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. No, so, that's fine. So uh, back to uh, the ear or the... Um, so, so yeah, so the 3D printed active electronic materials. Um, so, so, so this is really what, what they could do with this and their proof of concepts. So again, this is that semiconductive material. Now they're able to 3D print entirely, uh, which is huge. Um, so that, that, that streamlines the manufacturing process, but also that means you can make it, um, into, into all sorts of different shapes and geometries. Um, so one of the applications that they showed, again, was 3D printing on contact lenses, uh, we mentioned. They also showed uh, printing sensors on medical devices. So you could have sensors built in to a, a catheter, for example, for monitoring blood pressure or flow um, or any other monitoring you'd want to do within hmm. a catheter. So that sensor would just be printed on um, for, for uh, real-time biomonitoring. Um, they also had a cool application of printing onto skin and onto the human body. So you could have 3D printed functional tattoos um, that could be <laughs> doing all, all sorts of, uh, so you could have sensor tattoos. You could, th- you could, so one example that they mentioned was you could possibly 3D print like like a, a pacemaker. So instead of having a pacemaker implanted, you just have just a, a very thin 3D printed pacemaker directly onto your tissue that would- Wait, hold on. <laughs> I thought of like a functional part of the pacemaker was a power source, right? Where does yeah. that go? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you get a 3D print a solar question. panel under your now shaved head? Or it's <laughs> a good question. Um, I mean, battery power uh, is is getting much is 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 also getting miniaturized. So I guess you could have a at least a smaller. Um, so I, I think footprint. I think what you would do is you'd 3D print the physical circuit board onto the tissue, and mm-hmm. then you'd sort of attach a battery to it. Yeah. So okay. like that. <laughs> So if you think of the pacemaker as a box with a, a silicon board in it, yeah. right, that has the electronics, no need for the box, no need for the board, because it's just right on the tissue. And then there'd be like a little circle, you know, where you plug the battery in. Hmm. 
Also really brain cool. interfaces as well. So we're talking a lot of bionic applications. We're making cyborgs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they were 3D printing cyborgs. <laughs> uh, the other, so wild. I yeah. can't even wrap my head around it. The other very related uh, and really cool technology um, is, uh, is uh, 3D printed patient-specific conduits for complex peripheral nerve injuries. So this is now using what? similar technology here to, to guide nerve regeneration. Yeah, wow. So, yes. So, like, you're talking about curing, well, for like paralysis. Word, paralysis. Yeah. 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 So, regrowing nerves. Regrowing nerves. Yeah. That's yep. amazing. So, when you have a when you have nerve severed, um, you 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 can lose not only sensitivity, but also a, a lack of control as well. So, you have you have sensory neurons and motor and uh, you, motor neurons as well. I'm, I'm sorry to go off topic again, but can you help me understand? If you don't know, that's cool. But I'm just curious. Why is it so hard to fix severed? nerves why don't they grow back is there, is there an explanation for that Do well we know? So i can speak to a little bit of the complexity um based on on the research i did for this, this okay. pod but <laughs> otherwise i'm not i'm not an expert okay in, i've uh, just always been curious about that generation yeah yeah you know, we can put a man on the moon and, and all that but you know we can't yeah. fix a, a broken back yeah so uh, so uh they nerves regenerate very slowly so approximately, um at, at best you can get about an inch worth of, of nerve growth within a, a month on average, um, or even at best. Um, and a lot of our current technologies can only regenerate nerves basically in, in simple geometries, like straight lines. So, okay. so unfortunately the nerves in our body, if you've ever seen any of those like tree kind of like images mm -hmm. showing, you know, your, your, all your different organ systems, but also the nerves running through, it's not straight lines, right? So, right. so, um, so, so, so being able to, to, to provide a, a framework, uh, for, for complex geometries, um, as well as being able to provide the, the, uh, chemical signals. So it's, it's not only the mechanical framework, but the chemical signals are both necessary to get those nerves okay. to regenerate properly. And that's what this 3d printing can now do. So with this technology, cool. because they're able to 3d print it and at a very small scale, they're able to provide that mechanical framework. For, for complex geometries, you know, like like our nerves have. Um, and then they're able to kind of seed in the uh, chemical signals as well to help promote. So they did a proof of, the proof of concept is incredible. So it was done in rats where they, they severed the um, sciatic nerve. Uh, so, so, so the rats uh, lost. Sciatic nerve is the, thank you, I didn't know either. <laughs> so that so so if you get uh so a lot of lower back pain that runs down your lower back into into the sciatica. back of your leg sciatica ah. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Ah. sciatic nerve yeah so they gotcha. so they lost control of of walking um they were able to to show within within 10 to 12 weeks a uh almost a complete regeneration of the sciatic nerve in the rats um and they almost regained complete control uh and, that's and amazing. Motor, motor and that's Princeton? Yeah. Princeton's working on that? This was at Princeton again. Got to um, get some more Princeton stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. These guys are really, yeah. it's really cutting edge. So again, this is with their their proprietary printer as well that they, they created. And they created the printer. Again, this is why research at academia, universities are so cool. I mean, they created this printer um, because they wanted to be able to do this research and there wasn't a printer that existed. So they just made the printer. It was kind of true. It's like a side thing. Okay. So, all right. To your point. <laughs> And I think I tried talking about this before, but I, whatever we couldn't we couldn't come around to what I was thinking. Is that is that something that could be done privately? You know, it's like gosh, I wish I had a printer. I work for Corporation J or and whatever. Yeah, I mean, are they going to take that kind of risk on a flyer? On wouldn't it be neat if you could? So I remember. I'm asking in a horrible way, but I mean, no, no I get what you're you know, saying. You know right? what I'm getting? So 
I spent a year in industry, right? And the thing that amazed me about industry labs, you ever been in an industry lab? Like a real no. private research lab? So everything they had there was pre-made. You'd have to make your own media. Hmm. Like all the gels were precast. I mean, it was like, this is this is the epitome of luxury for like a scientist, right? Like everything nice. was there. You don't have to do anything. But they had to do exactly what they were told, right? They were you know, there to finish their research projects, which were like really specifically laid out. You know, there's myths, right? You know, Dr. Linder gave a really great speech a couple of weeks ago. Industry is not always efficient. That's really true, right? But they have really efficient methods. And so it's all a question if it's the right aim or not. But there's no space for an industry researcher anymore to go, you know, let's build our own 3D printer. <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah. 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 that's what I'm getting at. So, I mean, <laughs> academics has this downside, right? You got to cast your own gels. You got to pour your own media. You got to, you know, everything's kind of shabby in relative terms. But... You also have space to make your own 3D printer, which is kind of cool. It's the, like Very the last; cool. the, these places are the last vestiges on Earth where you know, like you were talking about the story about the chemist who made LSD, right? Yeah, he was just kind of pursuing what was interesting to him. Yeah, that'd be a lot harder these days. <laughs> yes, right? it if would. you were working. Yeah, at, yeah know, he was actually in industry, time. but yep, yeah. Okay, well, I think on that. Note, I think on that note, it's time to come ground. We're out of time. Oh, so Tyler, we. I promise we will pick up three D printing again. Okay, please make a note to look at our feature technologies. We'll feature both uh, technologies available for licensing from Princeton University, and they will be in our program notes every week. Is especially interesting, but this, Ivy especially so. Yes. Yes, indeed. Thank you for joining us uh, for Tyler Sharon, Joe Rungi. I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you for joining us on the Innovation Overground. <laughs>